0: Welcome to the Mycotoxin Matters podcast from Alltech Mycotoxin Management. As mycotoxins present an ever-increasing threat to livestock production, join us as we discuss these impacts and potential solutions, sustainable farming, and our vision for a planet of plenty.
1: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of our Mycotoxin Matters podcast. Uh, my name is Nick Adams, Global Director for Altec's Mycotoxin Management Platform, and I'm delighted to be joined today by two uh, guest contributors, uh, Dr. Alex Yannakuris and Dr. Alexandra Weaver. Today, we are going to be talking about the topic of emerging mycotoxins. It's one that has gained a lot of press coverage over the past probably three to five years, and it's something that we've Increasingly, see covered in various media articles. And so, with Alex and Alexandra, uh, we have two guests who are uh, very capable of talking us through uh, this topic. Uh, Alex has been uh, working in the area of mycotoxins for over 20 years and is currently the group research director uh, for mycotoxins and analytical chemistry within Alltech. And Alexandra, since completing her PhD uh, in the subject of mycotoxins and their impact uh, on swine has been working for Alltech uh, within uh, the technical support uh, side of the of the business. So Alexandra maybe if we can start with you uh, as we think about this topic of emerging mycotoxins you could give a little bit of an introduction tell us exactly what the emerging mycotoxins are and and why are we uh, getting more and more interested in them?
0: Yes, so the emerging mycotoxins category is uh, definitely a category of mycotoxins that's growing. Um, These are technically defined as uh, mycotoxins that really are not always measured, especially by uh, more simple testing methods like rapid test kits, Um, and they're also not at the moment, legislatively regulated globally. Um, They are different than what we could call our modified or masked mycotoxins, which are those that are Derivatives of the common mycotoxins we look at, um, like fifteen acetyl don, or these other ones from that are that are p- components of our common mycotoxin family. So these are separate mycotoxins, um, and they are becoming more common as we are able to detect them with more advanced technology. Uh, we do realize that they are very frequent. And I think in the future, we won't really call them emerging mycotoxins anymore. We may actually have them as their own uh,
1: mycotoxin group. Thanks, Alexandra. So, Alex, then, that brings us on naturally to yourself. uh, When you think, you know, your background on the analytical side of things, talk to us about the detection of emerging mycotoxins. What has changed in that uh, domain to allow us now to be able to uh, analyze them and detect their presence?
2: Certainly, Nick. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it is, again, the the advent uh, that has happened in the field of analytical chemistry in the last 15 years, where we've seen uh, tools uh, that what that are quite powerful, such as mass spectrometry becoming more and more available uh, to labs that are investigating mycotoxins. So, I think that it is really that particular technique that has enabled us to identify Uh, those uh, new or emerging mycotoxins and and, uh, being a little bit uh, 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 more refined in terms of uh, uh, defining exactly their occurrences and their presence in different uh, types of uh, food and and, and feed matrices. So, again, mass spectrometry uh, is a technique of choice there because we can selectively separate those compounds according to their molecular weight and their charge so, it is really something that has enabled us to focus on those particular kinds of, of, uh, of uh, uh, compounds there. The, the technologies and the different methods that are now available are enabling to do this type of an identification at the same time as we do identifications for other types of mycotoxins. So, again, it is very powerful there because in one sample, we can as well investigate classical uh, types of mycotoxins such as deoxynivalenol aflatoxins zearalenones aflatoxins etc etc and also have an information about those emerging mycotoxins that can be detected using the same type of uh, mobile phases using the same type of static phases when we're talking about uh, chromatographic columns and the responses inside the detectors uh, uh the detector of uh, the mass spec detector basically
1: excellent Alex thanks for that uh, Alexandra coming back to yourself maybe uh, give us some insight based on the latest Harvest analysis uh, work that uh, that you've been undertaking with the uh, the group on the prevalence of the emerging mycotoxins and and why is it that we see these at the type of levels that we see them?
0: Yes, so uh, interestingly, we actually find that the emerging mycotoxins category are actually some of the most frequently detected mycotoxins globally, Um, more so than say your type B trichothesines, uh, your Dawn group, which is very high, um, but these emerging mycotoxins are generally the most frequently detected. Um, Now, for example, if we look at samples that were analyzed by the Altec 37 plus laboratory um, in 2022, we actually see that over 96% of the samples have these emerging mycotoxins. And then if we break that down into some of these different types of mycotoxins, we can actually see that, for example, fusaric acid um, is generally the most frequently occurring in um, at least uh, 77% of samples. Um, We also see the anentian A and B. Uh, They also are very frequent. Um, Maniliformin. These are all very frequent. Over 50% of samples or more containing these emerging mycotoxins. Um, Now, I will say that although the occurrence rates are, are very high, very frequent, Generally, we're seeing lower levels in terms of risk to an animal. Um, So we're really looking with emerging mycotoxins at more the chronic intake of these mycotoxins rather than acute uh, effects and acute consumption of these mycotoxins by the animal.
1: Which leads us on to the next natural question, I think, Alexandra, in terms of when you think about the levels that we see commercially and and with the research that's been done thus far, what are some of the things that uh, we feel emerging mycotoxins can uh, do to the animal? What sort of effects can we potentially see on the animal from these uh, these mycotoxins?
0: Yes, yeah, so it is a little uh difficult I would say to give a whole lot of um negative effects or a lot of information because there is really just a lack of animal trials with these mycotoxins as they are considered emerging there they there has been research, you know, historically, um but not nearly the same uh level of research and detailed research as we would say with some of the the uh, very notable family my- mycotoxins like aflatoxins or DON. Um, but we do have some, some basic information on these mycotoxins, and we do have some knowledge of what they can be doing. So, for example, um, the alternaria mycotoxins, They have been shown to act as endocrine uh, disruptors, so they can alter estrogen, progesterone synthesis. Um, In pigs, it's been shown to have synergistic properties with zorelinone, so that could actually increase the effects of zorelinone on the reproductive performance of the animal. Um, There's other ones like arofacerin. That has been shown to actually have some negative impacts on egg uh, production and egg quality, particularly the fatty acid composition of egg yolks. Uh, We could look at bovaricin. That one is interesting in that it actually seems to have some um, effects on pathogens that could be both positive or negative, depending on the way you're looking at it. But uh, some research has actually shown that it could actually be negative or have negative effects on pathogens such as clostridium. So actually, that could maybe be beneficial for the animal but there's a lot of other negative effects. So I don't know how that uh, outweighs. So you might have a little benefit, but you may have many negative effects as well. Um, and then we could look at, for instance, a Um, That one seems to have a very strong impact on the heart and causes myocardial lesions, particularly in poultry. Um, they seem to be quite sensitive to maniliformin. And then the anentians, uh, there's a lot of new research being conducted with these. Um, it's been shown that they may actually increase the effect of DAWN in pigs. So when the pigs are consuming valanol the effects of that DAWN mycotoxin could be greater if there's this combination of toxins. And there's also some research suggesting that anentians can actually pass through on the ruminant side, pass through the rumen um, unaffected. So that means that they get into that intestinal tract unchanged and they may then still have have the negative effect, um, and the rumen isn't really helping that animal at that point. So a lot of different effects. Um, overall, we want to still remember that these mycotoxins, really like any mycotoxins, are impacting gut health and immune system, um, and then overall performance can be
1: impacted too. It's clearly not a straightforward picture, and I think that's probably adds to the complexity of the the mycotoxin story we were already sort of dealing with a lot of mycotoxins that we were measuring and, and these are coming in and sort of further complicating that picture but certainly Uh, it's important that we continue to understand them because it's obvious that they can have some sort of impact uh, on the animal. And like you said, Alexandra, particularly in that uh, important areas of things like gut health and uh, and immunity. Alex, maybe we can come back to you to sort of wrap things up. Um, based on what Alexandra is saying, what sort of things have Alltech been doing, uh, maybe to look at the uh, the impact of some of these uh, newer mycotoxins that we are uh, we're detecting? Yes,
2: certainly. Um, I, I think w- we need to remember that. Uh, Those mycotoxins that we're talking about, would it be from fusaric acid uh, to steric to alternaria uh, and to bovaricin and niantins, are very different uh, structurally and chemically. I mean, uh, we are facing here different mycotoxins that will have different effects because they have those different chemistries that are going to have different impacts. In the animal, because of those differences in chemistries, I think that in in the in the last uh, five or six years, our interest, because we were seeing some of those numbers coming from the surveys, that showed how important some of those categories were, especially the enantiins, the bovaricines, the fusaric acids, that are. Uh, that seem to be occurring uh, in 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 uh, quite uh, high frequency. We really wanted to emphasize a little bit more the research on that front in order to understand because we have those occurrences of those toxins what eventually those toxins can have as an effect inside the animal. So we developed a series of research. And one uh, uh, of particular interest has been a collaboration that we have with University of Guelph and uh, Dr. uh, Neil Caro. uh, And we have actually a doctoral candidate that started to investigate a little bit more uh, what those mycotoxins can do inside the animal. One of the comments that Alexandra uh, made was that some of those toxins can go through the rumen and not being affected. as such, they can also be absorbed by the animal. And in, in, in that perspective, what we wanted to do is to try to understand a little bit more what happens if, for example, in a rumen animal, those toxins are getting absorbed and they're starting to reach the mammary gland, which is a very important uh, organ and also uh, can Consequently, have some impact on milk production and milk quality. So, in that particular context, uh, 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 Ran Xu, uh, who is uh, the uh, doctoral candidate working at uh, Dr. Neil Carroll lab, is uh, starting investigating a little bit more in detail the impact of bovaricine aniontines specifically on cells that are associated with the mammary glands. So, we did quite a bit of in vitro cell culture modeling in order to try to understand the cytotoxicity of those different uh, uh, toxins. And what we found is that we have different types of those responses that are associated with those particular types of toxins. And uh the the behavior of some of those toxins, especially in iantins and bovicine, are quite different, even if those two particular mycotoxins belong to the same kind of categories of of of, uh, of mycotoxins. They're ionophores, they seem to have some similarities in structures. But when we're looking at uh, the cytotoxicity effects that they're able to uh, uh, to, imp- to to do on the on the mammary cells, they have Kind of different behavior. One, for example, bovirisin is going to have a cytotoxic impact at a higher uh, concentration, but that cytotoxicity effect is pretty much a yes or no type of answer. So you're gonna get a 100 percent, close to 100 percent of cytotoxicity for that particular toxins once you reach a specific concentration. In iantins, for example, you going to get some kind of gradual decline of that uh, uh, um, of that uh, uh, cell viability uh, uh, with an increased dose of that particular mycotoxin. So, despite some of the similarities that they have, they have an impact on viability of the cells. And because they have that impact, they can hinder basically the efficacy of the mammary glands. The other aspects that we've seen that were involved are specifically some of the Uh, uh, junction proteins that are uh, responsible of maintaining together those epithelial cells of the mammary gland. We know that some of those toxins can have an impact on those tight junction protein and will decrease, for example, uh, the genetic expression of of some of those. So, it might affect Basically, how those cells are going to respond, are going to be able to uh, absorb, and how they are going to be able uh, to uh, respond specifically a uh, uh, pathogenic type of, uh, uh, of uh, contamination. The other aspects that we've seen uh, uh, being impacted by those toxins or uh, immune factors, uh, uh, specifically uh, uh, chemokines and cytokines that can be uh, negatively impacted by those different types of toxins, again, hindering the responses of the mammary gland to other types of pathogens than mycotoxins. So, they can be responsible of uh, 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 unbalance, basically, of that homeostasis of uh, the mammary gland and as such affect that uh, a mammary gland response to other kinds of pathogens as well as its capacity at uh, getting uh, the right nutrients and uh, changing by such the composition of, of the milk. The other Uh, uh, type of research that we've done is basically trying to evaluate if some of our mitigation uh, approaches can be effective at reducing the levels of toxins and consequently at reducing the impact uh, at the level of those uh, mammary cells. And what we've been able to establish using different types of uh, mitigation products and composition, we were able to see a profound impact of specifically yeast cell wall-based types of products on the bioavailability of those different mycotoxins, meaning that we are highly effective at binding specifically bovaricines and aniontines and reducing their cytotoxicological effects that have been evaluated through, again, uh, modeling and cell viability types of uh, uh, evaluation. So, I think that we are progressing also uh, in our understanding of not only the impact of those toxins on some specific cell effectors, but how we can also be quite effective at reducing their impacts. Of course, There is much more that we don't know about those mycotoxins. Again, we've seen, and Alexandra uh, uh, explained uh, quite well, uh, how they can have uh, some beneficial effect by interacting positively with some pathogen inside the rumen uh, or the digestive tract of the animal, and on the other side, can have negative effects. So we need to parse uh, through those different effects what exactly those toxins uh, incidence uh, is, but at the moment, we are starting to have a better uh, comprehension of these types of uh, mechanisms. Alex, that's
1: fantastic, and uh, good to see how the, the work that you've talked through uh, sort of builds on some of the comments that Alexandra made around, you know, the, the immune side of things and the gut health side of things, and and perhaps then the, the, that take home that also looking at some of the remediation strategies and knowing that while these mycotoxins are frequently found in the diet, uh, the mitigation strategies that we are employing uh, are effective in, in dealing with those. So. Uh, I'm sure our listeners today have, have sort of taken a lot from that and, and have a better uh, understanding and overview of the information we do have on the emerging mycotoxin. So, uh, Alexandra and Alex, uh, thanks very much for your input today. Great, thanks. Thank you.
0: We hope you enjoyed listening today and look forward to you joining us next time on the Mycotoxin Matters podcast. For more information on the topics discussed, please visit nomycotoxins.com. That's K-N-O-W mycotoxins.com.